HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are coming to you live from the Cayman Cookout in the Grand Cayman Islands at the Ritz-Carlton. We are spending the whole weekend hanging out with some of our favorite chefs in the entire world, including the man, the legend, the host of this weekend, Chef Eric Repair. We talk about Patonk, we talk about his favorite way to drink pina coladas, and we pay homage to his pal, Anthony Bourdain. So sit back, relax, and here we go. snack tunes live from the Cayman Cookout here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are sitting here with Chef Eric Repair. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us at the Cayman Cookout. Welcome to the Cayman Cookout. I mean, uh... When we got the email, I was like, obviously this is a mistake, but if they're not going to say anything, I'm not going to say anything, so here we are. Uh, it's no mistake. Uh, 11th year, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, when did you first come to the Grand Cayman Island? When did you first get down here? I came in the, for the first time in Cayman Island 15 years ago. Okay. When this hotel was actually being built. Okay. And uh, I landed, they picked me up at the airport. Okay. With my luggage, put me on the boat asked me to take my clothes off sure. and I went to swim with the stingrays. As one does. <laughs> exactly. And then I came to see the construction quickly. Yeah. Uh, we had a bottle, we had a case of champagne on the boat. So we had to do a quick tour here. <laughs> and then we went to eat on the dock somewhere by the water. And then I said, where do you want me to sign? Where do you want me to sign? Now, for those who are unfamiliar with the local cuisine, how would you describe it? What's the history of it? So Cayman Island is in between Jamaica and Cuba. Mm -hmm. It has been very influenced by the British. Sure. Who had a strong presence here since it was a British territory. Very nice. That is strong presence is as nice as you can say. <laughs> and, uh, and therefore, it's a mix of Caribbean, West, in West Indies mm -hmm. um, flavors and a little bit of Western British influence that is not very relevant. No. But when you talk about the Caribbean influence, it's very interesting because of the different fruits, vegetables that we find here, mm -hmm. the spices, um, the influence from Jamaica that is very close. Yeah. Uh, so this is definitely um, the base of the Cayman food. Now we have a lot of restaurants here of very great quality in Cayman Island and uh, you can eat food exactly like you would be eating food in, in, a, in a big city but a lot of restaurants make sure that they use local products seafood like conch which are in season now and that you find everywhere I cannot wait to go have some uh, yes of course and even and today at Nancy's lunch we had some uh, local lettuce we had local yes. salt I mean there's like there's some basics here that isn't just seafood Absolutely, and it's a it's a market, a street market, twice a week. Ooh. Fifteen years ago, it was not no one was farming. It it has been a very quick and a change uh, in the island where people said, "Oh wow, I can live here from cultivating the land. I can live here from going fishing." Um, it's something that is very interesting in in such a small island to see such a big movement. What do you think was the underlying reason for that shift and that change? I like to believe that we are a little bit responsible for it I with mean, the rest of the community of chefs, of course. Sure. By saying, hey, listen, we don't want to eat frozen fish that come from Miami that was probably caught here, sent to Boston, <laughs> processed, and sent back to, through Miami. We don't want to eat vegetables that have absolutely no flavors, are supposed to be from the Caribbean and are, I don't know, cultivated somewhere else. Yeah. We want local and by supporting the fishermen and the farmers and by paying the right price and, and creating sustainability in terms of fin finance and that had, had 
has changed the island. How much does building those financial and social and community infrastructures matter to you when you could easily, I mean, you know, you're at the Ritz-Carlton, it's a global brand, you could, you could source from anywhere. Yes. Um, because it takes a lot, I mean, it's so much more work. You know, chefs are passionate and not necessarily rational in terms of <laughs> decisions sometimes. Another great, <laughs> great word, not rational, not rational. But at the same time, it's a blessing because we're not counting beans. Yeah. Um, we, we care about delivering an experience to people. Sure. We care about giving great ingredients to people. And we care about supporting communities. And yeah. this is that it's pretty universal among chefs everywhere today. And you can also set up um, systems in place that being in New York, you don't have access to, or in a way that be so directly influential to those systems. For sure. So, you know, you're known as a New York chef, but you're, yes. you're also known as a chef down here. You have Blue. How did you get started cooking here? What was the original inspiration for the restaurant, especially when you saw this as a half-built hotel? Because this could easily become just another sort of, hey, it's my name on a restaurant. I yes. go there once a year with my family, and I'll pop up if someone gives me the right check. But you're here, and you're cooking. What was important to you in launching that type of restaurant here? Sure. Um, so first of all, if you go to once a year with your family, and, and you work with an hotel, uh, I doubt they're going to give you a check. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> the idea to come here was to bring the philosophy of Le Bernardin Cayman Island, but do, without doing a copycat of Le Bernardin. Le Bernardin has a very strong sense of place. It's a New York restaurant with yes. New York energy. And I mean, that room is, you walk in there and that's New York. And you're I like, mean, hey, I'm in New York. I'm in uh, New York. Yes. And uh, as you know, it's a seafood restaurant where the fish is the star of the plate. Sure. Our tradition is rooted into the French tradition in, in cooking and in, in hospitality. However, because we are in New York and we are surrounded by so many different influences, uh, different cultures, it's, it's a certain natural and smart fusion in mm -hmm. between my culture and, and Asian cultures uh, from the South and, the, and, and Japan and so on, or, or different countries in South America or, the, or countries every, actually anywhere in the world. So we wanted to have a restaurant that will be luxurious, but will be a Kemenian restaurant. Hmm. When you enter the restaurant, you will be like, I know where I am. I am in the Caribbean. Right. And the food will reflect the same feeling, using, again, local ingredients as much as we can. Right. Um, local flavors integrated in, into our menus. And... Um, we did that, and it's a success, and I'm very happy that now I can bring my family once a year. <laughs> <laughs> if I knew that this was... Get a check after I work hard in the yeah. kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, we're just, we're actually staying down the street if you could just make it out to cash. Um, so you have this incredible palette down here. I mean, you know, obviously in New York, you're not pulling fish from the East River or the Hudson. We do not. You do not. So what local ingredients speak to you here that you use specifically here because obviously you're you're pulling influence from Le Bernardin but 
Yes. What, what's coming directly from here that is inspiring you or that's even coming up to New York? Like, what's traveling back with you? Well, we have here, uh, we are in, in, in season for the conch, so that's very local. For people who don't know what conch is, what type of fish it's is it? It's basically um, a gigantic sea snail mm -hmm. that lives in warm waters, mainly in the Caribbean. Yeah. So we have conch that we use at Blue. Uh, we try to find conch in New York, it's difficult, mm -hmm. but we have spiny lobsters that uh, are almost in season as well. Love a good spiny lobster. Uh, and they are great. And those who, who fish for them are wild men and women. Whoever fish is wild. Yeah, yeah. whoever just fishes in general is just wild. <laughs> I'm joking, but um, the grouper, the snapper are tropical fish. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we can find that in New York. Yeah. We do not serve grouper at Blue and, and in Le Bernardin because it's sometimes uh, on the verge of, of being in danger. Yeah. But we have snappers. And, uh, and then we bring some influence from the Caribbean in terms of um, flavors. Yeah. A good curry. Good curry fish? Come on. It's delicious. Then a little bit of rice? Yeah. But, I mean, you actually bring up a good point because so many problems with the ocean going on right now and sustainability and you look at you know this you know the dock to dish movement yes. how do you how do you balance that because some people come in and go I need my Dover sole I need I you know I need my bluefin tuna things like that and you're offering a luxury experience and people just may not be educated beyond four or five fishes mm -hmm. um, how do you work with that how do you how do you change people's perspective on what fishes count as not just a good fish, but as an as an expensive gourmet fish. Sure, I, don't, I think the idea is to make people feel comfortable about their choice. Yeah, and they shouldn't feel that they are being lectured. Yeah, or have a guilty trip about eating anything. Um, they should be happy, and they should have choice. I think you have to give options. Mm -hmm. You don't want to alienate the person who's who wants the Dover sole. You don't want to alienate the, the person who wants to eat a certain food. You want to have options, and then you can, in a, in a subtle way, say, well, well, why don't you try this oh, fish? It's, it's from the region. It has been caught in Montauk uh, yesterday. And then you give them the choice. Um, you don't say, don't eat Dover sole. I think that's, that's the... That's the, the wrong way. The wrong way. We are in the hospitality business. So, um, when did... You've been here for a while. You had the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. When did you get the idea to have the Cayman Cookout? At what point did you say, I think other people should know about this? So, we opened 13 years ago. Yeah. And the Cayman Cookout is celebrating this year the 11-year anniversary. Yeah. So, it took, it took us two years to decide to create this event yeah. in the middle of the winter when, as we know, it's, it's freezing in New York. Where and, people and, go, <laughs> or go it, this is the point in New York where people go, I gotta get out of the city. I definitely had yeah. people text me who's like, hey, looks like you're having fun just so you know my pipes just burst, so I hope you have a good time. I hope mine uh, <laughs> do not burst while I'm here. <laughs> but yes, I mean, to create an event in January when when some parts of North America are very cold mm -hmm. and to make it very convivial and very intimate 
uh, it's something that has a lot of appeal for the public and yes. they come here and they are close to the chefs and we have a lot, of, a lot of interaction with them and we have events on the beach and we create some dinners and small wine testings and it's all very intimate and it's also fun for the chefs um, we don't make them work too much no. we want to make sure they spend a lot of time at the beach if they wish to or, or do anything they, they, they want explore the island or anything like that it seems like it plays really into like a, a very good like self care you know it's like they just I mean for people who don't know in the F&B industry November, December are like the hardest times for chefs it's like the busiest season so by the yes. time we get to January the burnt out feeling most, for most people know most restaurant holiday parties are in January so it's almost like a self care kind of recentering moment yes. for these chefs Absolutely, and if you have choice, you choose a location that has good weather, <laughs> yes, and warm, warm water, warm water, and where you um, have a restaurant with good ingredients, silky sand. Yes. <laughs> was, uh, it, was it tough to convince chefs early on to come and do this, or was it just an easy sell? It was not difficult because I have a lot of friends in the industry, yep. and I call my friends first. And Jose Andres was uh, one of the first one to say yes. Anthony Bourdain that we missed this year, obviously. I was one of the first one to say yes. And uh, and then we have friends like Daniel, who came many times, and, and chefs from New York, but chefs from all over the country, actually, who, who came here, and, uh, and who always call us back and say, hey, guys, can you invite me again? <laughs> yeah. and, and we try to rotate a little bit. Oh, yeah, um, spread the wealth. <laughs> we have to rotate because it That's how you get to say your friends. And so on. Uh, but it's, it's, it's pretty easy to convince people uh, in my industry to, to be at the Ritz-Carlton uh, in, in the Caribbean with a room facing the ocean. It didn't take much to get us down here. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Sure. And by commercial break, I mean we're going to go play a song from our archives. Uh, and then we'll be back with Chef Eric Repair at the Cayman Cookout in the Grand Cayman Islands as we sip on pina coladas. Yes. Very delicious. In our paper straws here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. This is 
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are here with Chef Eric Repair at the Cayman Cookout. So it's we're in our eleventh year. Yes. Uh, and by we, I mean you. Um, <laughs> year one for us. Uh, but can you invite us back already? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's you, on. You don't even have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, in a journey like this, in a, an event like this, which now you come to and you see this, and it feels so dialed in, and it just feels, you know, like sort of old hat in the way that it runs what was the first few years like what was it getting off the ground because it's one thing to get chefs down here and it's one thing to get people like that but you know 11 years ago there wasn't social media food wasn't where it was in pop culture how was it getting this off the ground it was actually pretty easy because the Ritz Carlton has a lot of a lot of resource mm -hmm. and they were bringing chefs by the dozen or cooks by the dozen yeah. and, uh, and waiters and from other other resorts and that are quiet now or hotels that are uh, actually in the cold usually they quiet in January so we had a huge support uh, we had the infrastructure to host the festival and most of the chefs have done events have created dinners or, or lunch uh, in their career and it's just bringing them here and saying, hey, look, we have everything you need. Uh, so it was not that difficult. It was, it was interesting because it was surprising. We thought it would be much more um, challenging to say, oh, we have a festival and come and, on down. And come down. Uh, the first years, we, we had probably less people from out, outside the country coming, but there was a lot of locals that were uh, definitely curious and supporting the, the festival and then it became more international and today it's a good mix in between local in, a, in events I'm talking about in between locals and and people coming from abroad so you mentioned in the first segment that farming and agriculture and infrastructure has grown as the festival has grown yes how has that shaped the food that's been served or the events or even the conversation that you've had well 11 years ago, we, we had already great seafood, local seafood. Yeah. Um, and it was not enough food from the farmers to, to um, deliver to the restaurant, but it was, they were producing enough food for the festival. Mm. So we had local ingredients already for the festival, and that was great. Um, chefs were happy. We, I mean, it, it, it was not a difficult start. And then... We grew a little bit in terms of events and more dinners and, and, and parties, and, uh, but it hasn't changed much. It's, it's limited in, in terms of tickets, so mm -hmm. we don't have this monumental crowd that comes and, and kills the intimacy of the, of, of the festival. Um, chefs are pretty accessible, and from day one we wanted, to, we wanted to do that. The idea was, let's showcase Cayman Island, let's showcase the lifestyle, that you can have uh, at the hotel, but also on the beach. Uh, and, and we have been very disciplined and diligent in keeping that spirit. I mean, is there a, is there a number of tickets or attendance that you keep this festival at? Because it, it seems, it seems, I mean, it seems packed, but it also seems like I've now run into a bunch of people in 24 hours. The guy in the elevator was the guy asking the questions. Yes. Uh, the woman, I think, is like, it, there's a balance. And it seems that yes. from the crowd that people have been coming back for years. Yes. 
we have a lot of people coming coming back year after year after year. I mean, do you, I mean, do you? Is there? And you can say, you know, there is a number you're saying, but it's like, is there a number where you feel that if it was that more than that many people, it would lose something or it'd be much more difficult to execute? For sure, I don't, I don't know if you saw the class this morning of Jose Andres. Oh, to the brim, right? Mm-hmm. So, it was about 120 people max yeah. at that class, and we could make it much bigger. Right. However, the bigger it will be, and and the more we will lose the intimacy. Uh, and and uh, and Jose will not be um, communicating the same way, and uh, so we we keep it to a to a certain number of tickets. Like a class cooking class is no more than 100, 120. A wine pa- a wine tasting is no more than 20 or 30 people. Um, tonight we have a big barbecue on the beach. Oh yeah, we're going to be four or five hundred people, but it's spread out through the night. Yeah, and. It's a lot of stations, it's a lot of chefs cooking, and you don't go online for 40 minutes to get one small little crusty a, a, a little bite. You, it's it's a very quick, um, it's a very quick way of getting food. I mean, and, and you've done about a million food festivals, food of food events. When I was younger. Yes, when you were younger. <laughs> but but again, but those were educational for you to to do this. Like, where do where do people? get it wrong. You know, where do they make mistakes for these food events um, that it's not good for the chefs, it's not good for the people? Like, what are the mistakes that you've seen? I don't think it's um, mistakes. It's about greed. You took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, I was hoping you would say that. (laughs) But yes. And uh, yes, you can make a lot of money uh, with with, uh, that format. A festival where people fly and and, and you sell tickets and so on. And again, you have to be sustainable. I mean, the festival cannot lose money year after year because in that case, you cannot survive. But but we're not looking to make a fortune out of this event. And I think the, it's not a mistake, but the huge festivals that attract 60,000 people a day under a tent, uh, to me, are not appealing at all. And no. and uh, I don't. I mean, I don't want to criticize anyone in general. No, of course. But, but I certainly want to be different. And I think because <laughs> there, yeah, that's the you, you know everyone says you're so polite. That is the most polite uh, answer. We we when we used to do barber like events, and I forget what chef told us, but they said anything after 650 portions is like meat on a chip, and that's like the best that you can do. At that thing, and when if you're below that, you can actually do something a bit more complicated. But after a point, you're just like feeding the masses. Um, and since the food here is definitely not meat on a chip, uh, you've had so many great chefs come by. What have been some of the magical food moments over the years? And I'm sure there's a there's many, but where is one or two that stick it on your mind where you go, this was everything came together. The the south wind came in, the the moonlight hit. You know, the sun was silky enough, and the food was just. It went, there was a moment beyond just what was on the plate. You know, I have challenges with my memory at my age. <laughs> <laughs> However, last year was the 10-year ten, ten anniversary mm-hmm. of the festival. And we added a lot of extra events that were um, basically parties, where you didn't even have to buy a ticket. It was great music and, yeah. and locals uh, rolling cigars and... and uh, some great food around it, but last year was a 
very, very special uh, uh, moment for the festival. Daniel Boulou was here. And when you bring Daniel, you know it's going to be... It's going to be a party. It's going to be a party uh, that never stops. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very happy last year with what we have, what we, what we saw. And I think the people were also, like, not only the chefs, but um, <laughs> the public was thrilled to be, to be in this gigantic party that never stopped. You know, that's an interesting point because it's a lot of outsiders. Yep. People coming in, yes. there's a lot of money, and sometimes people can have an issue with maybe the inequality that exists when you have an event like this. Mm. How do you work to balance that equality so you don't feel like an outsider, so you don't feel that you're just coming in, using, and leaving? When, well, first of all, when you have people coming back, yes, which are chefs, uh, winemakers, uh, 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 producers like we have a, a Paramount Caviar from New York who's mm-hmm. coming year after year and then when you have repeat um, people in a resort that want to experience the festival you have your answer yeah I mean they wouldn't come back if it was not something that is uh, very different and and chefs uh, I think love the conviviality of it mm-hmm. they love the fact that they have time with their family and children and, and you know, Jose Dorders grew up with my son and Anthony, uh, Anthony Bourdain Dorders and, and we were all on the beach 11 years ago and, and today uh, we don't have Anthony with us but, but it's, they have grown and they're still on the beach and we party and we smoke cigars and we drink and we eat, you know. It's uh, and speaking of Tony not, not being here, because obviously it's, it's looms large, um, there's going to be a celebration tomorrow night? Yes, it's not really an official celebration. It's um, like Jose did today with the paella class. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's paying homage to Anthony's uh, friendship, to his influence, to his legacy. Tomorrow it, we will speak a little bit more about Anthony's legacy. Um, but the festival is not mourning Anthony. We are celebrating Anthony. It's, it's been interesting to see how people react to his loss. Um, obviously, we all look to you because you, you were so close to him. And... I was curious, you're Buddhist. Yes. Um, how that played into you allowing to deal with this loss? Because I think the industry loses a lot of people. Um, Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of a lot of suffering, a lot of people with with issues. So, sure. if you had any advice based on the way that you dealt with something, and, and also being so public for this, on how to either both well, deal with the grief of, of losing someone and how to reach out for help. What advice would you give to young chefs who might feel like they can't speak up or they see a fellow, a colleague in problem and, and how, how would you encourage them to, to speak? Well, if you want to speak, you have to speak. I mean, no, no one should stop you to, to say what you have in your heart. Um, it's very important to understand that everything in life is impermanent. We don't have to, every second, remind ourselves that since we are born, every second takes us to an end. Um, of course, when you have a loss of someone that you love, uh, it's, it's, it's powerful and it's, it's touching you and, and you, shouldn't, you shouldn't suppress those emotions. Um, but at the same time, you have to move on uh, because you're here. And that person, you believe in 
some people believe it's another place uh, for the souls, and some people do not, but it doesn't matter. What, it, what, what we have to understand is that we're here today, tomorrow we're not here anymore. But life goes on, and it's, it's the nature of life. It's what it is, and it's like that, and it will be like that until this planet disappears. You have so much joy that, when, I mean, just looking at the, the way that you put it, 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 the joy comes through it, and it's such like a powerful way to deal with grief. That, yes. That uh, it's inspiring. Well, thank you. I mean, look, you shouldn't be afraid to be sad and show mm -hmm. sadness, um, because again, you don't want you don't want to repress those emotions. It's not good for yourself. At the same time, I think it's important to move on, and again, to <coughs> to know that everything is not for forever, and, there, and therefore, it makes you appreciate every moment even more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does make you feel very lucky to be here, to be surrounded yes. with friends, to be surrounded by good food and good conversation and things like that. Absolutely. Um, before we go, we have to ask you about one annual tradition yes. that we are absolutely in love with, and that's the annual Patonk competition. Oh. So. That is. I mean, it, it's, it, that's. This is an important moment. This is an important <laughs> moment. Where for, so for those at home who don't know what petanque is, petanque is the French version of bocce, sure. which is like playing balls, right? Right. Um, so even though, like all things considered, from Italian to French, Italians invented it, French perfected it. I'm not sure about that, but if you want, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay with me. Uh, so the petanque tournament is part of the festival, yeah. and it's when you will see some incredible change of personality. <laughs> um, Would you say that the <laughs> players are competitive? competitive? Yeah. Chefs are definitely competitive. Uh, their children are competitive. Uh, um, some, some people who participate in a festival who are spectators yeah. participate in a tournament and, and they are very competitive as well. We try to uh, make sense out of it but it's, it's really about being able to misbehave a little bit, sure. scream. Um, I'm going to give you an example, and I'm sure Jose is going to be thrilled. I'm, I'm, I'm reminding um, what happened last year, but Jose was losing and very badly, and suddenly <laughs> I heard a scream on the courts, and it was like, everybody has to stop taking pictures. I cannot concentrate. That's why I'm losing. <laughs> They, they can't take pictures anymore. So, and then he was like, people are too close to my court. I can't focus. Um, that very thin, composed <laughs> veneer <laughs> falls away. And, and uh, I think the previous year was me who was ranting about something oh. and saying, look, I'm playing with my son. He's only 13. Come on, guys, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so anyway... The petanque, I think, it's it's a very it's a fun event. It's where it gets wild. It's where you can misbehave and and it's accepted. And it's good that it's on a Sunday, knowing that people are. Yes. You may like you like we we need a little breath. We need a little break from each yeah. other after that game. Um, well, chef, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, if people want to come next year, which they absolutely should, where can they go? Where can they get information? We, we hear planning starts the Tuesday after. Yes, actually, even during the festival, we start to talk about 
uh, next year. And People then, start handing you cigars and being like, ne for next year, yeah. for next year, chef. Yes, uh, it's true. Last year they were giving me one cigar at a time. Now they give me two cigars at a time. <laughs> Um, so if people want to come next year, where can they go and where can they... Every year in uh, October, the, the Ritz-Carlton release the tickets yeah. for a lot of the events. I and think it sells out. It sells out extremely quickly. Yes. Some of the events sell out in a couple of hours because people are waiting. They know it's the October 1st or whatever has been announced. Um, we have time yeah. for, for next year, but at the end of the summer, I know you're not thinking about the cold winter in New York, but... Start to think about tickets for Cayman Cookouts. Winter's coming, always. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much. We have another song from the archives and then a live performance. Here we are from Grand Cayman, Cayman Cookout, here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. so high, you see where you're going with your eyes closed. Wild eye, growl and smoke, return every question in the same tone. There's a state line out in those pines, buried in frozen ground. We've chosen our size, now we can't turn it around. Jane, Emily to the stake The family's worried She's terribly late A haze rolling across the lake If we go, who's to know? Dead by morning if we stay Slipping it through another keyhole The slim hope of fireproof rope Kerosene off of your sweet nose It's a steak knife in my thigh Watching you flicker in real time I call your own kind Now we can't turn it
Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio has plenty more. Hi, I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I'm the host of Feast Your Ears here on HRN. My show explores the world of food through storytelling. Every week, I talk with people inside and outside the food world about how experience has shaped what they eat and cook. You can find Feast Your Ears wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to the show, Radical Dads. Um, I'm sorry we did not have the star of Home Alone and Home Alone 2. (laughs) As a warm-up band, he's our usual. Open. My my personal f- uh, favorite was the Good Son, when Macaulay Culkin drops the f bomb. <laughs> don't f with me, Mark. You know, Thanks. and, and remember that. I didn't. I never saw that. Dude, I don't. I I can't even say it's on Netflix. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> you know, like tried to become like a serious actor at like nine. But then he kind of pulled it off later on, right? I don't know. He was in what Saved. Party monster. Party, party monster. That's oh. not, yeah, yeah. I don't think anything anyone pulled off anything. Party monster. <laughs> I went back and watched it. I was like, you know, I knew it didn't hold up, but it really didn't hold up. Oh no. Um, so welcome back. Thanks. You guys are. Well, I'll always now have a special place in my heart for the show you guys played yesterday. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, how have you been? Really good. Great. Oh Excellent. wow. Thank you for the <laughs> lengthy response of that. Next question. Next question. <laughs> oh boy. We're going to run out of stuff. Um, that's the only question I have is how are you doing? I that's thought we it? I thought we could stretch that. So anyway, so things are good, right? Yeah. Um, just, just blowing up. Put up a record. Huge. Put a, huge. We Proof opened, the record. We opened the restaurant on Avenue C. Oh yeah. Recently. Radical milk duds. Following the trends. <laughs> um so you got the new record. How do you feel about that? Well, it feels good to finally have it out there in the world because it's been done for a little while. How long was it gestating? I don't know. Like 14 months. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like an elephant baby. Yeah. We had to write, wait till the culture was ready for us. Yeah. And we felt like now was the right time for that. <laughs> What do you mean when the culture is ready for you? <laughs> do you mean like... We're not you, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, album number two? Three. 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 Yeah. What's it like going into the junior album? Um, hmm. Don't fuck this up. Yeah? <laughs> no. I feel like the sophomore really. album's the more like, don't fuck this up. Yeah. So I we feel fuck like, that up. Like, then we... everyone loves the first one, and the sophomore's like... We gotta change go. it up, man. It's like, mm, don't really change up the sophomore album. I feel like junior yeah. album, you can get a little more experimental. You gotta wait for your revolver. Oh, yeah. Forever Soul Sergeant Pepper. 
But Chris and Lindsay hate the Beatles, though, so I shouldn't yeah. be talking about these references. You hate the Beatles? I don't hate the Beatles. <laughs> I just am not, like, Compared Beatles to- fanatic. Well, that's fine. I mean... I'm, I'm more, like... I don't know. There are a lot of other bands that are more we, important to me from that kind of We had an era, interview with someone, and this came up, and she was just, like, freaking out. She was just like... What do what do you mean you don't love the Beatles? And I was like, I know, right? <laughs> oh, right under the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so third album. What was the approach this time? Um, just send it to Julian. We just <laughs> we recorded uh, at Silent Barn with Julian and Carlos, and awesome. um, which was great. And they have a. Hmm, how to describe their attitude towards recording. I don't know. Cavalier? Cavalier. Really? Cavalier. Guns blazing? Yeah, like, just, like, get it done. Yeah, second or third take, Julian was like, well, you could do it again, but it's probably not going to get any better. Whoa. Whoa. I don't know. And then that's he, the, he make that sound. That's uh, <laughs> when you try and go for the fourth take, he just plays the button. He's like, we got it. Is that Wow. That's scary. That. Okay. Um, so, second or third take. How did you feel when someone, someone's like, ah, oh, you got it? Um, well, every time we were just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. It was kind of cool to not, like, stress out about it. We were just sort of like, yeah, that'll do. Like, it's not going to get that much better. We know what we're doing. We're just going to knock it out. But it was good. It wasn't like, yeah. it was like, that's not going to get much better. <laughs> Are we back? <laughs> we'll just, we'll cut all that out. We'll start this over. <laughs> and Is that a thing? So, what was it like uh, only going in for two or three takes? Great. Yeah? Yeah, we're into it. It felt yeah. good. There's good energy in that studio, so... We, we mostly recorded it live, like, just playing all together. Oh, that's awesome. And it wasn't a lot of, like, overdubbing, because that feels very unnatural to us. You got a lot of energy from uh, just playing it live? Just feeding off of each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Just, just give it some good, like, good, like, bass face, drum face, keyboard face. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The yeah. whole time. Uh, Plus we're getting old, so we weren't physically capable of doing too many more takes. <laughs> so it's like, let's just get it done in one take. I got nine takes of me today. No more overdubs. To yeah. Sounds fine. Um, what, do you guys want to play a song for us? Sure. Uh, yeah. What song are you going to play for us? Uh, in the Water? It's called In the Water. Okay, cool. Here we got Radical Dads live on Snacky Tunes. Hopefully the amp will sound okay now.
Awesome. Thanks. You want to do two more takes? Yeah, you know what? We got it. We got it. Never mind. We got it. Julian said that was fine. Yeah. Julian just texted me. He said, listening, totally fine, moving on. Um, so um, I heard you guys are also working on two other projects. Um, um, yeah. About nine months in the studio each, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, you are no longer going to be Radical Dad in name only and Radical Mom. Yeah. But Radical Dad and Mom in IRL. Yeah. That's yep. true. Uh, pretty crazy. And you guys also timed the babies to be born <laughs> at the same time. Like, pretty much. What was that conversation? Was that coincidence? <laughs> We've just been planning our calendars for so long. Yeah. Like, look, we got a torn 12 months. So we pop these kids at nine. Yeah. So you're excited? Yeah. Super yes. excited. We're going to have to break up the band, though. It's, really? Yeah, it's not ironic enough. We'll just ch- we'll start a new band. Yeah. Radical parents. Or, like, super super cool family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Probably. Adult responsibility. Adult yeah. responsibility. <laughs> That's a good one. College, a good one. <laughs> College fund. College fund. There we go. <laughs> Yeah. 401k plan. Right. Um, so that's that's so exciting. What's it like to be uh, an active band with two individual kids on the way? Um, well, hmm. We're reining in the activity. Yeah. So now we're like late night, like drug, whiskey, infused sunrise. Parties. Yeah, we're kind of like, well, can can we play first? Is that right. cool? <laughs> I know we're the headliners, but yeah. tired. We we had a record release show. That was really fun, and we were, you know, we played third, I think, or something, <laughs> and we stayed up pretty late, and it was awesome. We were up to, like, three or something, and that hadn't happened for a little while, and then we woke up the next day, and none of us really had been drinking or anything, and we were all obliterated. We felt like we had just, like, yeah. been hit by a bus. So. It happens. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. We're old. Are you guys, but, are you guys like, healthy lifestyle, like, healthy eating, no gluten, no meat, none of that stuff? healthy but um you know i have a i have a sweet tooth i have a soda tooth as well so it's a little a little tough a little dicey sometimes but um you know i've I've heard that all that gets filtered out and the baby will be totally fine it's just (laughs) it's probably just a coincidence that the baby's kicking as soon as you have a soda yeah really acting up when you have that eighth twizzler right Um, so with the new album out, what's the plan? Are you going to try and fit in one more tour before the babies are born? Nope. No. 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 We're going to, we're going to see what happens after they're born and then maybe we'll, we'll tour the world. You are getting to the later stages of the pregnancy stuff. So it's like when you're deep in the third trimester, you don't really want to be touring. (laughs) No. So I know I'm not allowed to fly, but can I play 14 (laughs) shows in a row? Yeah. And what's the decibel limit on the the belly? Oh my god, that'd be so funny if you had like the headphone <laughs> on your belly. Like, I think this is where its head yeah. is. Oh, I think you know what would be good is like that breastfeeding pillow. Like putting that around yeah. myself for also a show. Also protect from the guitar. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I'm gonna do it. I think uh, you could silk screen some of those up. Yeah. Sell yeah. them, right? Radical mm-hmm. Dad breastfeeding pe- pillows. This is yeah. when our like marketing really takes off. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's such a natural, organic fit to go <laughs> to the, is. like, you know, one Radical Dad onesies. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Stuff right. We've custom made those before. Have so, you really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they were, they were just, like, one special of, orders. Special orders? Nephew needs yeah. specials. Yeah. Um, can we hear another song? Definitely. What are you going to play? Um, cassette Brain. Yep. This, is our, this is our baby's favorite. 
Oh yeah. Does the baby does the baby like make movements when it hears one song versus another? Um, I think that our baby really likes Robbie's drumming because whenever it, like whenever the guitars drop out and it's just the drum, she's like kicking along. Doug and Annie are here. <laughs> oh my god, Annie Hart. Uh, Where are they? They just walked into the. That's other so room. funny. I, mean, I love Annie Hart. She's put out a new single. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. She's throwing she's my writing. baby shower. Oh, she is. Yeah. You're like, invited. You can come. Really? Sure. I thought it was like a girls only. That's Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn. It's any, it any be, it would, gender. It wouldn't be rad if we didn't like mix up the rules, right? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, can we dedicate this one to Annie? Definitely. Annie. Okay, cool. Here we go. <laughs> Rackle okay. Dad's Live on Snacky Tunes.
so good. If you were to get swept away, where would you want to go? <sighs> New Zealand. Ridgewood, Queens. <laughs> <laughs> to Andy's house. <laughs> swept away for that. Um, so, I know you got a few gigs coming up. Yeah. DJ gigs. We're doing some DJing. At the Ace Hotel. Yeah. Six hour sets? Minimum. Four hour sets. Four hour sets. What's your uh, long tune bathroom break song? Or I guess if it's all three of you, you can rotate out, right? Well, we were ta- Cortez the Killer. It's Cortez pro- the Killer. That's a good, good option. That's a classic uh, Greg Bresnitz, DJ Snacky Tunes. I used to start with Ginger by the Lilies. It's a good long one to start with. It's not super long. Yeah. It's like six minutes, right? Five minutes? We're just going to grind it out with a lot of long ones. Something like 10 minute Yola Tango. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Night Falls on Hoboken. It's like 17 minutes. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it's like a mix. Like, you want to like flip songs enough so you're like moving through it. But sometimes you're like, uh, a song every two and a half minutes, you get a little, <laughs> right. get a little crazy. Yeah. Are you pumped? You're going to get some martinis? Well, I guess you're not going to have any martinis. <laughs> I know. I was wondering if they did any special, you know, virgin cocktails. cocktails. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Fresh juices, things like that. Yeah. And then, so those are your DJ gigs, and where are you playing next? We are going to be playing at Rough Trade. Ooh, nice. Yeah. On the, I think it's Thursday the 16th. Of April. um, Of April, yeah. And we're doing a little thing on WFMU as well, so that'll be fun. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy Rough Trade figured it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were shut down for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just like, ooh. That was, <laughs> that was, I think, a collective groan in the music industry out here. Just like, how did you not think about soundproof? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was like nine condos across the street. Um, so April 16th. And then one of the kids, so like, is this like, we're getting close to like the last time. That we might see be life? it for New York. Oh, man. We have a show in Boston on April 25th. Boston. Boston. Favorite uh, favorite burrito places up there? Anna's Taqueria. Oh, oh yes. yeah, oh, yeah. Love Anna's. Felipe's is like Felipe's is same, good, but uh, no, Anna's. What's your order up there? What you like? Uh, you know, whatever. Chicken I get the burrito. quesadilla. Super burrito. I'm with you. Quesadilla. They do this like we. I think they like, dip it in oil and fry. Like, <laughs> they just like. Oh man. <laughs> like I'll get a burrito, but get it inside a quesadilla. I just like that crunch. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't. I, it's like funny. Like I, I never expected to have my favorite burrito be in Boston. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Those New York needs to figure that out. Yeah, we, we got plenty of Viennese restaurants. But how about a great? Right. <laughs> so, and where are you playing in Boston, and when? O'Brien's Pub. Nice. Um, with Ava Luna, with Julian and Carlos. Oh, hey, Ava Luna. O'Brien's Pub is that in Alston? Alston. Yeah. I think I used to go to. I want to say Sundays, Sunday nights, 80s night there and dance. I used to live like down the street on Wadsworth. Nice. <laughs> you miss those days? I do not miss Boston. Okay. We, I think we've touched on it before about my l- no love lost for that city. Yeah. We don't have enough time. We have, we have enough time That's for you guys to shout everything out and play a song, but not enough time for me to rant okay. on Boston. But I, would, I have gone back literally just like I've gone in, gotten off. Uh, the highway gotten on hasn't gotten back on the highway. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. And the last time I went, I got one for dinner, and then I got one, <laughs> and I ate it. I brought it home with me, had it for breakfast. Good move. Yeah, that's what we call a pro tip. <laughs> Real pro tip. That is a pro tip. Um, so I want to make sure we get one last song in. But where can people get the album? Where can people get the information? Where can people get Radical Dad's onesies and silkscreen prams? The website. <laughs> Which is? It's uh, RadicalDads.com is one. 
And then it's radicaldads.bandcamp.com. Shout out to Bandcamp. Yeah, Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Thanks, Bandcamp. Forever killing it. Killing it. And are you on the gram? Instagram? We're not very um, big on the gram. We are on the gram. But yeah. Very minimally. I've heard social media, just like farm tables, going to be taken off pretty it's soon. Be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, trends to watch this year. We, we got the Twitter pretty decent. Yeah, at Radical Dads for your requests for onesies. You started a Tumblr. Oh, nice. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Find us on Yik Yak. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you used Yik Yak at all? Uh, yeah, I'm using it right now. Oh, uh, yeah. This pizza is great. This place is awesome. <laughs> this place is awesome. What are those people doing in that weird box? <laughs> um, well, thank you guys. Uh, shout out to Ben Sisto for setting everything up yesterday. Thanks, shout out to the fam. Shout out to Anna out in L.A. Shout out to Joe, my dog, who's probably just laying on the couch. Um, shout out to uh, Kentucky from Kansas yeah, and the March Madness. It's big wins. Big wins. <laughs> I'm so know. proud. I'm not really into sports. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. What's the last song you're going to play out? Play us with? Don't go. Don't go? Yeah. Well, we have oh, to. I know. But what are you going to play? Don't go. Don't go. But what? But who's on first? <laughs> but who's on first? Uh, we never. We always have time for bad jokes. You know what I'm saying? There we go. Uh, thank you so much. Again, thank shout you. out to Cherry thank Bomb. You. And uh, we'll see you next week with uh, Philip, I think. All right. Bye.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.